Happy Feast Day of the Holy Name of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> I love it. And as Catholics, just let's re re realize that that is the most perfect prayer. When you need help, when you're afraid, when you need assistance, when you need a, a signal grace, call on the name Jesus. Yeah. When you're dying, that's the name above all names. That's the door to heaven. It's called Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 9. You can't go wrong if you say the name of Jesus with faith, hope, and love every day throughout the day, Terry. Yes, and I want to recommend that people go to Tan Books. There's a little booklet called The Wonders of the Holy Name of Jesus by Father Paul O'Sullivan. Just, you and I have been quoting this book for decades, okay? It is, they got testimonies, stories from the lives of the saints. Great book for that. Just today, we're going to continue to pray for the reposed soul of Pope Benedict Sixteenth, but we also have a special guest coming on the second segment, Father Charles Murr. He's got some personal testimonies that uh, he encountered with Benedict, and also uh, our good friend Father Joseph Fessio, who's a student of Pope Benedict Sixteenth. He told him some stories that he's going to refresh our memory on that I think will be very intriguing. But uh, before we get to that, Justice, there's some uh, need-to-know files that you got for us, brother? Yeah, just a few. Good. Let's uh, let's just jump I right into myself. the need to again. Just want to remind everybody that uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth mm -hmm. has passed away, yep. uh, the two hundred and sixty fifth Pope of the Catholic Church, and uh, Americans we have a special reason to love Pope Benedict the Sixteenth because he's the one that used that verse that we have to resist the dictatorship of relativism, mm -hmm. and that's what we see in America. He was very prophetic by using that this dictatorship of relativism, because that's exactly what we're battling here, Terry, a country and a leadership that does not believe that there are moral restraints and moral boundaries. Uh, <clears throat> also, want to just mention that another need-to-know file is that Elon Musk wrote this week that Twitter employees had an internal messaging group nickname, the Fauci Fan Club, oh my God. on the company. Huh. <clears throat> and so Elon Musk made the revelation in response to a claim that Dr. Anthony Fauci has never lied in his role as a White House advisor. Musk linked to an article showing that Fauci had falsely claimed the NIH never funded gain of function studies in Wuhan, despite these glaring issues. And Twitter nonetheless had an internal uh, Slack channel you uh, unironically called the Fauci fan club, which uh, Elon Musk has now exposed. Also, the CDS, the CDC, excuse me, Center for Disease Control and Prevention Schools Health Division released a guide for schools to self-assess their commitment to maintaining an inclusive environment for homosexual and trans children. The guide has schools grade themselves from a C to an A. And it tells the C schools that they must commit to change to this transgender acceptance. And the schools with the mostly A is considered highly inclusive and an awesome ally to the LGBT movement. Finally, the state of Florida is investigating an allegedly sexually explicit performance that targeted children earlier this month. Under, under DeSantis, the Department of Business and Professional Regulation is aware of multiple complaints about a sexually explicit performance marketed to children held in Fort Lauderdale on December 26. The department stated, quote, 
exposing children to sexually explicit activity is a crime in Florida, and such action violates the department's licensing standards for operating a business and holding a liquor license. Good for DeSantis. And finally, Archbishop Vigano, starting today, he's calling on the faithful to fast for three days for the January 6th political prisoners. So he's asking us to fast today, tomorrow, and on the 5th uh, for the for in, on behalf of the January 6th political prisoners who are being ki- kept in exile by the Biden administration. Jesse, in contrast to your story in Florida, California's new law, the Transgender Sanctuary Law, takes effect January 1st for kids seeking chemical and genital mutilation. This is the one I did the commercial on saying if you have a young family, you can't get out of California. Look at Florida. Look at Texas. I mean, come on. It's night and day. But, Jess, before we get to our topic, let's get some soul food in our soul, brother. Yes. uh, Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. John chapter 1, verse 29 and following. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you went to Mass this morning, to the Novus Ordo Mass, you heard that this morning. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. John the Baptist there is, uh, is acknowledging the divinity of Christ. He existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I, the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, "I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from the sky and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, "On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit." Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Two other important points I want to make here is that you look at this Gospel and you see the interrelationship of the Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead, in action. And so uh, there's a lot of verses in the Gospel of John where John shows the interrelationship, the inner life of God, which is Trinitarian. And you can also see, for example, the first person of the Trinity where it says, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove. Okay, that's the third person of the Trinity. Then it says in today's gospel, but the one who sent me, the one who sent me is God the Father. That's the first person of the Trinity. And then it says, uh, uh, now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. So John writes about the second person of the Trinity. If you're very careful in the gospel of John, there's no denying that God is not a solitary being uh, as as understood by as by Muslims and Jews. God is a... A composite being, he's composed uh, of three divine persons in the inner life of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well said, Jess. And I want to just mention again the holy name of Jesus, Jess. Let's talk a little bit about the significance of the name and how the uh, the church looks at, uh, and this is what Benedict died, and his last words were, Jesus, I love you. Mm, and so man. how much more beautiful can it be? And I know that we have this little booklet that you and I got years ago from Tan, The Wonders of the Holy Name. And, you know, this booklet uh, is really showing folks in times of plagues and times of, you know, desperation, people using the name of Jesus's name to invoke uh, things like the devil against the devil. Jesse, on chapter mm-hmm. 10, that's another oh, yeah. one. Man, yep. Why don't you talk a little bit about the holy name of Jesus? Yes. If uh, if. 
it, the name of Jesus, according to the saints, yes. if you say the name continually, right. it purges sin That's right. uh, from the soul, it kindles your heart, yep. it gives you mental clarity, it removes away anger, and it does away with spiritual sloth. Uh, it, it also, when you say the name of Jesus Christ continually, yep. it chases the devil and, and puts out dread yep. uh, you know, fr- from the soul, it opens up heaven. It makes you contemplative. It it uh, it puts it suppresses all the vices that that uh, that your con- that uh, your concupiscible appetites are attracted to. The name of Jesus, also the Catechism says, contains all. It contains everything, and it and it and and the name of Jesus, it uh, it signifies uh, God saves. And That's you, what the name Jesus exactly. means. Literally in Hebrew, Yeshua. God saves. Terry, and as Catholics, yes. we have all these ejaculation prayers that we say. We say, praise Jesus, or, you know, during a time Thank of you, a trial. Yeah, Thank you, Jesus. Right. Jesus, help me. Jesus, have mercy. Right. Jesus, I trust in you. There's all these beautiful ejaculation prayers in Catholicism about the name of Jesus by which uh, we are to be saved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is no other name on planet Earth by which we must be saved, and that name is Jesus. I have two points from the book, that we must do the most perfect penance for our sins by offering the passion and blood of Jesus many times each day for this intention. The precious blood purifies our soul and raises us to a high degree of holiness. It is all so easy. We have to only repeat lovingly, joyfully, reverently, Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. And here's one that hits everybody in our culture right now, Jess. If we're sad or cast down, we if we are worried with fears and doubts, you think the world's like that right now? Yeah, they need Jesus. Mm-hmm. It says This divine name will give us a delightful peace. We need peace. If we are here's, weak, go ahead, yes. Jess. No, you say, cause this, is, this is my... No, no, no. No, something also. Not only not only is today yeah. the feast of the holy name of Jesus, right. but the month of January. Guess what? Yeah, it's dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. Exactly. The entire the month. Whole month. I love it. <laughs> so if we are weak and wavering, it will give us a new strength and energy. Did not Jesus, when he was on earth, go about consoling and comforting all those who were unhappy? He's still doing it in every day for those who ask him. And that's the bottom line, Jess, we need to ask. Hey, brother, let's get Sheen in before it's too late. Let's bring in the smartest guy in the room. Full Mm -hmm. Sheen ahead. Here's a quick one from Bishop Sheen on the train. He says, no man discovers anything big unless he makes himself small. Wow, that that to me was what Mm -hmm. Benedict was all about, Jesse. He was a very humble shepherd of the church, and I love that about Pope Benedict. Let's pray for his soul. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, Lord, and let the perpetual light light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. When we come back, our good friend Father Charles Murr has some personal stories about, about Pope Benedict XVI. Can't wait to hear this. Stay with us, family. Yeah, Jess and I are too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be millionaires. Thank you, Jesus. We'll be right back, folks. All right, welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr with us, with Jess and Romero, and we're talking about Pope Benedict XVI. Father Charles, you're always welcomed here at the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful. How are you, my friend? I'm surprised at your level of toleration. 
keep having me back. And that's what that's what that's what surprises. Yeah, I hear you, Father. Just <laughs> listen, I've got to say something. I've got to say something real quick. Sure. You were talking about the the the, the precious name of of Jesus. Jesus. Yes. One of the one of the, one of my favorite uh, Italian arias. Yeah. Is uh, is uh, Verdi's uh, from Rigoletto, Caro Nome, Caro Nome, mm. uh, beautiful name, beautiful name. Oh. It says, Caro Nome nel mio cuore, but it, it 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 talks about the power of a name, yeah, of the beauty that's in a name. Yeah. And the first it says, she says, the first time ever I heard your name, it made my heart begin to throb. I thought, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to apply to to Jesus. Absolutely, huh? absolutely. That is, and there's the name of Jesus, the holy name of Jesus, and the name of Maria, which are the two most beautiful names in the you world. You got it, and, Father. And they, they do make our hearts thrive. Enough of that. You got tell it. it. Father, tell us what about Benedict the Sixteenth and some of the things you have of him. Um, I mean, Father Joseph Fessio, founder of Ignatius Press, you know him well. We all do. And but you've got some stories with Father Festio, but you also have some personal encounters with Benedict the Sixteenth. Give us a little, uh, you know, tell well, us a little. I, bit. I was just, I was just, I was just uh, on uh, Luis Ramon uh, had had we did an interview together just uh, about two hours ago yeah. on this very subject okay. in Spanish mm-hmm. for his uh, for his program, and I was just telling him uh, the what 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 most impacted me about the life of of. Joseph Ratzinger was you have a man here who is so incredibly humble. He's brilliant and he's humble. You don't find that combination. Yeah, it's not easy. It's like, you know what it is? You know what? It, well, when I was in high school and college, I was looking for the, the perfect woman. What was she supposed to be? <laughs> she was supposed to be absolutely drop dead, beautiful yeah. and humble and in love with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I only got. I never got more than one out of three. But anyway, that's funny. That's the, funny. The, the point is that Ratzinger was a very humble man. Yeah. Because and because he was so brilliant, he didn't need to be puffed up, and he didn't need to be proud. Yeah. Mm. And there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people who feared him, and they feared him because actually he grow he grew to have possession of the truth that was scary. Yeah, it scared it scared the enemies of truth. It really did. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I remember uh, uh, very clearly, uh, a father Father Frank Maniscalco from Rockville Center came to visit me in Rome, and he asked if I could if I could do anything to get him in to see to see Cardinal Ratzinger uh, from the Holy Office, or as they changed the name, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, and I managed it. With a couple, with a couple, uh, uh, a couple finagling telephone calls, we went in to see him, and he received us beautifully, just beautifully, as if we, as if he knew, as if he knew both of us, you know, for his whole life. We talked to him quite clearly and, and quite calmly, uh, and then his secretary came in and said, "He said, uh, Eminence, uh, please don't forget that Father Gustav Gutierrez." <laughs> Is waiting. Is waiting in the office. You, he was summoned to Rome, and he's waiting outside in the office. And and I and Gustav Gutierrez, for those who don't yep. know it, is the father of uh, liberation theology. Yeah, he's a Peruvian. Uh, I had I had the uh, the the uh, occasion. 
I won't say pleasure or displeasure. I had the occasion to meet him in Rome and to listen to one of his lectures. He came and spoke about uh, spoke about the admittance for violence in the Christian life, right? And we're all. I said, "This is incredible." Anyway, when when Cardinal Ratzinger was told that that uh, that uh, Father Gustav Gutierrez Gustavo Gutierrez was outside waiting to be received, I'll never forget. It. He looked at the at the two of us sitting in front of him, and just went, "Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. look on his face." Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, Here's the thing with Ratzinger that I think is remarkable because it's it's part of the Christian journey. Keep talking about the journey. We are all, all of us, according to, not just to me, I think, I think, I hope, according to God, we are works in progress. Amen. Okay? And, uh, you know, sometimes two steps forward and three back, and hmm. here we go, right? We're, 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 we're striving to be perfect, but there we go. Uh, Ratzinger... The first time I heard of Ratzinger was during the the Second Vatican Council. And his name came up in connection with uh, uh, Kungar, with Hans Kung, uh, Ratzinger, with with, uh, uh, a lot of liberals. Yes. These were the great liberal voices. And here's the thing that's curious. Almost all of the things that were liberally put into the, pushed into the council, or the council was made to say these things mm-hmm. came from where? Germany. Of course. Mm-hmm. All they all it all it all came from Germany. Yep. As a matter of fact, ironically, liberation theology that everybody associates with South Latin America, America yep. was born in Germany. Isn't that interesting? It's it's from Germany. The Germans exported it. Here, here's the theory. Now you now you live it. We'll see how that works. Yeah. This is what they did. Wow. That's incredible. Ratzinger was lived in an ivory tower. In an ivory tower, he was in academia. He that he, he taught. He wrote books. He lectured. This, that, and the other thing. How much pastoral experience he got, I don't know, but I would imagine not too much. Yeah. Uh, I was telling. I was telling. Uh, uh, I was telling Luis Ramon that that uh, I, I remember talking to to several people in the Roman Curia priests. For 30 years, priests who hadn't heard more than a handful of confessions in their entire lives. Wow. Because they're they're they're, they're dedicated to the office. Yeah. Well, this is unfortunately, these are people who are making pastoral decisions. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's well, but anyway, Ratzinger was among those. Yeah. He was in academia, he was in the university, he was a theologian, this and the other thing. And very liberal. Uh, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there uh, he was at times he was at times accused of heresy, mm-hmm. in a, as a young man. Yep. When I was at the Gregorian University, Father Navone, uh, my one of my major professors, and and we became great friends. There was a jingle that included Ratzinger uh, and Kung Hans Kung. Mm-hmm. That was. And Carl Rahner. Carl Rahner was the other yeah. the other one. Mm-hmm. All, all Germans. They said Ratzinger, Rahner, and Kuhn. Their praises are everywhere soon. Mm. Says says Octaviani, 
There'll be no Domani <laughs> until they are all of them. Boom. <laughs> anyway. That's cute. Right? With, the, with the umlaut. You need the umlaut over the U. Hung. Until they are all of them hung. I get anyway, it. They had, that's, that, was the, that was the fame that they had. Yeah. But for whatever reason, and I, I personally believe it was, I think it was, I personally believe it was Archbishop Benelli and the Secretary of State who insisted he saw something in, in, in uh, Joseph Ratzinger and promoted his cause with the Pope to be made a bishop. So what, what, what it was, was take this man out of the university and put him really, truly in a pastoral situation. They made him Archbishop of Munich. So all of a sudden you've got this man, and this is, this is, this is wonderful. You've got this man with, with all of these lofty ideas and writing books, and he's telling intellectuals how to think and going around dogma and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden he's put into an archdiocese where he has to deal with problematic people. Yeah, real life. I'm sorry. Problematic clergy. Yeah. Uh, problems here, problems there, money problems, moral problems, ethical problems. Bah, bah, bah. This was fantastic because it took him out of the university and put him into reality. Yeah. And, and it was those years that he did an about face. Yep. And it wasn't too slow. It was it was pretty soon, pretty quick that he did that because he was seeing the reality of the, the theory was one thing. The practice was another. And that's what made him a great man. And he was not proud or arrogant. He accepted that he had been wrong in many areas with humility. This was this was this was what made a great man. And he became also from that time on a very great theologian. Right. Uh that, but it was it was that it was that combination, and Pope Paul Pope Paul gave him that opportunity, and uh, John Paul II, recognizing, he knew Ratzinger, of course they they knew they had met in the council. Yes. When he saw that transformation, and here I've got this brilliant mind, brilliant German mind, who's actually become faithful to the magisterium. Yeah. I want him back in Rome. Wow. I want him in Rome. And he called him to Rome to take over the, the doctrine of the faith. Now, this just years before, 10 years ago, would have been impossible it, to put Ratzinger in the thing. No, it was impossible. Yeah. But he had had a change of heart. He, he had had, if you will, I don't think he would disagree with me. I'll use the word a conversion. Metanoia, yeah. Real con a metanoia, yeah. conversion. And he became a great man. Yeah. What I thought was always wonderful about him, hmm. I would see him in, 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 in St. Peter's Square, always. He would just cross the square to go to his apartment, always carrying a book bag and dressed in a cassock and very, you know, just kind of, and a beret. He had a beret always. Anyway, you would stop and talk to him or walk with him until he got home or carry his book bag for him, right? Yeah. Anything. The humility was 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 fantastic of the man. Yeah. And I always found it incredible that so many people I I'm, I'm not going to say hated him, but disliked him strongly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and Father, many the, so many others were afraid of him. They were afraid of him. Yeah. But I think it all comes it all comes down to 
being associated with the truth. People are afraid of the truth because they can't combat it. Yeah. Well, anyway. Father, Father, let me jump in because we're going to take a quick break. That's one of the things that uh, that he always said, that wherever the truth would lead him, he would go. And uh, that is a humble man. <clears throat> Father, you had some contact also with Father Joseph Fessio, <clears throat> one of the students of uh, Joseph Ratzinger. <clears throat> and I know he told you many stories because <clears throat> I know Father likes to tell stories too. So maybe when we come back from our break, we can ask you to tell some of those Father Joseph Fessio stories about Father Joseph Ratzinger that maybe some people have never heard before. You get another insight of the life of Pope Francis, Pope Benedict XVI, who is Joseph Ratzinger, who passed away. <laughs> Stay with us, family. You're listening to us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murray here with us talking about Father Joseph Ratzinger, the late now Benedict XVI. I love uh, what you were saying about the, his love for truth. He said that this is eternal love and absolute truth. He wrote in his encyclical, the two need each other. He said in this last encyclical, truth needs to be sought, found, and expressed within the economy of charity. But I love what he says, but charity in its turn needs to be understood, confirmed, and practiced in the light of truth. Father, Fess, Father Charles Murr, you're talking a little bit about Father Joseph Fessio, and he, he was a student, as you know, uh, for Joseph Ratzinger. I think he was only like 32 years old, from what this article says, when he became a professor, which is quite young. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, the situation with Father Fessio and Father... Joseph Ratzinger. Well, uh, Father Fezio is one of my favorite people. He's a, he's a great man. He's a great man. Uh, um, all I can tell you is this. I mean, I, I heard small stories here and there yeah. that Father Fezio would share with us. But when, 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 when uh, Joseph Fezio, a Jesuit, wanted to, to do his doctorate, these doctoral thesis, he went to Joseph Ratzinger yes. uh, and asked him to direct his thesis. Wow. Ratzinger, Ratzinger agreed, and it was on Urs von Balthasar, mm -hmm. with whom I have a, I have some difficulties. I do too. Some theological, okay, <laughs> I have some yeah. theological. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're in good company, we right? Are, anyway, but uh, but he did his thesis on, on on that, and 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 got to know Joseph Ratzinger very very well. Mm -hmm. um, they esteemed each other. Father Fezio also did, I don't know if you know this, I think you do, but Father Fezio also did a sort of about face. Yes, about of face. course, I know that, yes. He, uh, uh, I saw some pictures when I was in San Francisco. <laughs> Somebody had some photographs of him with his hair almost shoulder yeah, length that and, white and with a guitar. I couldn't believe <laughs> I it. I saw that, yep. Yeah, but anyway, this is these are these great men who started off you know, I was I was I was trying to explain this to a little bit. Uh, you both are. It's amazing to tell you both. You're you're both too young to remember this. <laughs> but in nineteen in nineteen sixty, yeah. uh, and in nineteen sixty two, yeah. when the council was called, we had a fabulous thing that happened in the United States of America. 
we had a Catholic president of the United States, oh, the yeah. first in our history. Mm -hmm. And we had a, we had a Catholic Pope, John the 23rd. We called them the two Johns, John Kennedy mm -hmm. and John the 23rd, who were all of a sudden, all of a sudden, from being a little bit downtrodden as Catholics, because as Catholics, we were always secondary, uh, second, uh, you know, mm -hmm. second class citizens yep. in the United States. Right. Yep. All of a sudden we had this Catholic president and this this wonderful pope who was loved by everybody. And we were on top of the world when the Second Vatican Council was called in 1962. I can't I can't exaggerate the hope. The idea of hope that just was it was everywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but I, the major problem that I remember people talking about was where we were going to put all of these people, you know, who were, who were going to be flooding our churches. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to have floodgates. Our, yeah. our churches were going to be overflowing because of the council, because of these changes and everything it's was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, you know where, how, how can we add on a wing to the church over here and another wing over there to, to accommodate the, the Protestants and Jews and Muslims who were all going to be rushing to the Catholic Church to hear the new Mass, right? Well, it didn't exactly happen that way. <laughs> you think? That's what Bishop <laughs> Schneider said. Bishop Schneider wrote a whole wrote a whole book on that, saying, uh, you know, what what what's was the title, Terry? The, the, the springtime that never came. The springtime yeah. that never came, and we have it in stock. The springtime that what a what a great title. I thought what so. A great title. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> what a great title. The spring the springtime that never came. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Well, that was exactly what it was, mm -hmm. and it took a lot of people, a lot of years to come to that realization. Yeah, uh, Joseph Ratzinger was one of them. Yep. Father Joseph Fezio was another one. Yep. Uh, I wasn't one of them. I never. I, I, I thought it, I thought there was something wrong to begin with. <laughs> I really did. Well, Father, I let really me jump did. in and tell you. For those who don't know, Father was in the seminary in Rome in the seventies. Does that say anything? I mean, Ooh, are you kidding me? It says me? he's an old man. No, what, what it says. says is you were deformed with a lot of poor teachings in the seminary. I think you shared some of the retreats that you went on, I think even in the States here. We had some craziness going on back then in the 60s oh, it and was, 70s. It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. Oh. It was just nuts. It was just nuts. <laughs> but you know what? All of that helped all of us. And I think it, I, I know it helped Joseph Ratzinger yeah. also. This, yeah. is, this is the point. When you were seeing all of this, yes. Ratzinger had to say to himself, just a minute, in part, I'm responsible for this. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, that, this, is, this, is the, this is what I'm saying. Now, if he were not the humble man that he was. Oh, yeah, he rejected. He would have rejected that and continued right on. Yeah, that's true. Like, like Hans Kung did, exactly, for example. Exactly, exactly. Well, not, yeah. to, not to... Uh, Jesse's got a Go couple ahead. questions for you regarding some of the things that Ratzinger did. I know we talked about the liberation of theology, but there's some other things. Jess, go ahead. I think, Father, I think one of the things that we're going to know Pope Benedict as a great pope was, again, once once he came from came off from his the, the liberal stupor back in the 60s, and once he embraced orthodoxy, he became a moral giant. I mean, when I read what he's written on homosexuality, yeah, they, when I read what he's written marriage. on abortion, oh, yeah. uh, uh, on, 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 on the issue of marriage, there's such moral clarity to this man. And these are the exact issues that we're fighting right now, even within the church. 
Yeah. And it, 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 it reminds me, he was, when he embraced orthodoxy, he was so vilified, even by his own. I, I think about this one, this one um, uh, video that I've, see, that I've seen on, on the internet yep. where Pope Benedict gets off the plane. Yeah. I forget, what, I think, it, what, I think mm. the Prime Minister of Germany. Yes. And they get off of a helicopter, excuse me. Right. And so they're walking from the heliport, and all the bishops of Germany are on, on, on making a, a column on one, they were both on each side. As Pope Benedict and the Prime Minister of Germany are walking in between all the German bishops, they're all shaking the Prime Minister's hand, and Pope Benedict is trying to shake his brother German bishop's hands. They're all retracting their hand away from him yep. or spinning around and turning their back on him. Yep. That says everything because most of the problems that we see theologically have come from Germany. You know, biblical scholarship, uh, you know, the, this, uh, the, this, this whole demythologizing. Most of the problems come from Germany. And I think they look at him, the modernists and the woke liberals from Germany, look at him as kind of some type of betrayer because he left them back in the 60s. What do you say about that, Father? Oh yeah, I, 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 when I was in uh, I was in Salzburg for for two years, uh, and we would often go to to Bavaria, which was right up very near uh, Munich to Salzburg was a was a uh, was a very a quick trip, and I heard there that he was a he was a traitor. Wow, he was a traitor. He had been yes, yeah, he had he, had, he was a traitor to the to the cause. What the what was the cause? The cause was modernism. Yeah, he was betraying modernism. I said, "The man has got to be fantastic if he's, if he's betraying modernism. That's great." But that's that. That was exactly the term that one priest actually used. A, a traitor. Father, there's another thing. My good friend, uh, who's my nephew, Doctor Barber, told me about when um, when Doc when uh, Pope Benedict became the Pope, and he was wanting to get things published. Inside the Vatican, they also were very rude to him as the Pope. They would lose things on purpose. We couldn't publish this. And he was very humble about it. He didn't say, you know, like I would have said, hey, listen, you got a job to do. If I send something down to you to get printed, you better darn well print that thing. Or, you know, but what's happening is even inside the church when Benedict was the uh, Pope, we had liberals in there who were just totally trying to undermine what he did. Am I on to something? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to plug my book, yeah. but, but that's well, exactly what I was, write, was writing yeah, about. Why do you think I asked I, you, Father? <laughs> Come well, on. I'm, you're, you're great. You're, and, you're, and you're good for sales, too, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. No, but, but the, thing is, the thing is that when Cardinal Gagnon did his investigation, yeah. commissioned by the Pope, it was precisely because within the Vatican, yes, there were there were all of these these things that were gone. They'd gone haywire. Yeah, they just they'd gone. Can you imagine the Observatory Romano not publishing something that the Pope wanted published? Incredible. Or 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 changing something that he said. This is incredible. And this was what was happening. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something too. I don't know all. I don't know all of the reasons for, I mean, the, the, the deep reasons for which he resigned. I don't know that. What I do know is this. What I do know is this, and I know this for a fact. When the election came up after the death of John Paul II. Yes. And the conclave was, was getting ready. Cardinal Gagnon told me that there were two major candidates. And those two candidates were 
Jorge Bergoglio, and Joseph Ratzinger. Wow. This is in 2005. Yeah. Now, we're not talking about when when uh, uh, Jorge Bergoglio was actually elected. This right. is the first election. Right. So already, already then. Wow. Already then, they were ready to have they were ready to have uh, 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 Jorge Bergoglio as the candidate. So I know, I, I mean, I can imagine, I can imagine a little bit of, a lot of friction yeah, and yeah, a lot right? of tension. <laughs> yes, you can be sure. And, and I'm sure that many clerics made the life of Pope Benedict very, very difficult. Yes, I read that. Very difficult. Yeah. You know, when you've got a, when you've got a bishop, bishops are supposed to be supporting you they're supposed to be you're an extension of them they're an extension of you right right right. when you've got a bishop who tells you no i'm not going to do that period i'm just not going to do that no that doesn't fly we can't do that won't happen or worse yet yes holy father yes we'll do that and then turns around and does the same he had to deal with that for years that's not an easy way to run anything now that can wear you down well, of course it can. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. And it did. And it did. I know somebody who saw all of that. I'll mention him on the next segment. We'll come back. Much more on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Father Charles Murrow with us. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. We, had, we got uh, a, a Padre here and Jesse, uh, Terry Barber. We're talking about uh, Pope Benedict, some of the highlights of his uh, of his papacy, even as Cardinal Ratzinger. And Father Muir, you're talking about the fact that there was a, a lot of contempt shown for Pope Benedict when he was uh, in office. I know a, a doctor who actually saw this. It's a friend of ours, Terry, uh, Terry, Terry's friend, my friend, his name is Dr. Vince Fortinace. He's a brain surgeon, and he lived the last five years with uh, Pope John Paul II, uh, treating him for Parkinson's. He's here from Southern California. He's a brain surgeon at UC Irvine. Uh, he says, he told me and Terry plainly at a conference that he would see bishops and priests tell Cardinal Ratzinger and tell Pope John Paul, simple things like, can you pass the salt? No, you get it. You get it yourself. Uh, can you pass the butter? You pick, you, you get over there and go get it. Can you make this copy can for me? Imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. yeah no. The, Dr. Vince Fortinace saw this, and he would say, he would look at them and say, aren't you going to tell them anything? And, he, he, and he'd said, they don't listen to me. The, this is Pope John Paul II and Cardinal Ratzinger looked at our friend, Dr. Vince, a brain surgeon who was living with them and saying, they don't listen to me. And so what you're saying has been seen by a, by a person uh, that does, is, is internationally respected as a brain surgeon. Yep. And you know, you know uh, uh, for your listeners' benefits also, just to explain, the church, the church that we had, that I remember still, was a sort of paramilitary organization. Exactly. You did what you were told. There was there there just there was no question. What we used to admire, what we used to admire about the Jesuits, they, they you you were told to go someplace. You went. You know what the Jesuits had? 
Imagine this. Imagine this. Both of you, we're talking about this problem right now. People answering back to the Pope or telling him to get lost. I've got something else to do. The Jesuits were trained to anticipate the will of their superior. Wow. So that so that when the superior, when they knew that the superior wanted them to go to Cucamonga or to Timbuktu or something, the superior wouldn't have to battle. They would offer, would you like me to go to Timbuktu? Yeah, to anticipate his will. That's incredible. That was that was that was it. Now I, I mean, but to tell to tell them, no, you get the butter, you pass. Come on, this is crazy. But this was exactly to what Cardinal uh Baggio in charge of the congregation for bishops for all those years, told John Paul I, Pope John Paul I, no, I'm not going to Venice. Can you imagine? <laughs> Where do these people, I, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But this is also, this is also, pardon me for saying so, this is also part of the, part of the problem with authority because if some, I'm going to tell you something, this, don't worry about this ever happening. I'm never going to become Pope. Don't worry about that. I, I'm lucky to get out uh, to get out without being canceled totally, right? Yeah. However, <laughs> if I were, if somebody would answer me like that, uh, done. it would be taken care. It would be taken care of immediately. Well, let me ask you a question, Father. You are you have a great admiration for Pope Pius the Eleventh, do you not? Pius the Twelfth. Pius the Twelfth. Excuse me. Pius the Twelfth. I have a I have a great admiration for all the Piuses. Yeah, I really right, do. Right, but They're Pius the Twelfth. What do you think he would have done? Because I think you tell the story about the cardinal. Are you kidding? From Jerusalem. Are you from, kidding? What would he have done? Yeah, what would he have done? I'll yeah. tell you what he would have done. And you started off with a good one, Pius the Eleventh. Yeah, I like it. Pius the Eleventh wrote an encyclical. Pius the Eleventh made a couple mistakes in his pontificate. He, one of them was in Mexico with the Cristiana. Uh, oh, he was he was he was misinformed. He was sure. misinformed sure. seriously. Also with Pope with uh, Padre Pio, mm -hmm. he made another mistake. He was misinformed. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, people don't understand that within the clergy, there's a lot of bat, uh, backbiting, a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy. Sure. There really is. All right. And one of the, Padre Pio, for example, had a tremendous enemy who was a fellow Franciscan priest, Father G Father uh, Gemelli of the Clinica Gemelli in, in, in Rome. He founded Sacred Heart University and everything else. He was one of Padre Pio's worst enemies. And he convinced the Pope that, that the man was a fraud. Wow. Right? So Padre Pio went for years. Dare I make a comparison? I'm going to make a comparison. Go ahead. With Father Frank Pavone. Of course. He went, Padre Pio went for years. 12 years. Couldn't be seen. Couldn't be seen in public. Yep. Couldn't say public mass. That's right. Couldn't hear confessions. He, he accepted that. Yeah. But there was a discipline. It was a military discipline, a paramilitary discipline. When you were told to do something, you did it. And and it was easy to do it because there were so many men and women in vows who were in love with the church. Yeah, yeah. It's a different ball. They, and they understood the church and God yep. are bigger entities than I am. I see it. I think that we, we've lost that. Yeah, we've the hierarchy. Very much. They, they don't. They don't understand the hierarchy of. And you know Our what? Church is a lot more secular right now. Exactly. We we have we have who's influenced yeah. who? The world or the, the church? The world has influenced the church. Exactly. Most, yeah. Father, one question I have, um, Jess, maybe you want to bring this up too. But one of the things that he did on moral relativism that is a big problem in the world today is he really clarified that and uh, helped us understand 
that uh, uh, we need to follow the truth, not somebody's personal opinion. And I remember Benedict saying that, you know, as the Pope, I have to deal with what Christ taught and those perennial teachings that are supported in the Bible. I can't change him even if I did. Well, That's out I the window wanted. right now. That's yeah. out the window. I don't see that attitude today. No, in the with this present pontificate and the German bishops, Belgian yeah. bishops, nope. a lot of U.S. bishops. That's out the window. Everything's up for grabs. Yeah. Everything's yeah. up, yeah. Yeah. And it, well, it, 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 it is, it is. It, look, when he's talking about, when he's talking about moral relativism. Yes. This is nothing new, right? Wow. Do we do we do we remember this from modernism? Of course we do. Modernism has been teaching this all along. Exactly. No, we had we had we had. If you can imagine this at a Catholic university, we had situ a new course. Situation ethics. What? Situation ethics. I knew it. I took the same class. <laughs> Situation <laughs> ethics. In other words, right or wrong depended. On, on the situation, situation you were in. Correct. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And I'm, I'm to tell you something. To tell you, to tell you the truth, back in college, the situation was uh, was 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 sex. Everybody had sex on his mind. Yeah. So you're talking about you're, you're with a girlfriend or you're with it. Well, the situation was, well, everything is fine. So, so you know, let's let's do it. This was and this was and you would have priests saying, yes, yes, that's situation ethics. All of this. And the other. Well, Rod Sinker saw the rot. In that yes he saw he saw what this was and he combated it yeah but he didn't but he didn't start out that way no <laughs> this is what this is what i'm saying is great about the man yeah i you know it takes a lot to say you were wrong it takes a lot to say you were wrong right mike i had a grandfather i had a grandfather who who told me once when i and i was his favorite the oldest grandson he was a boxer <laughs> nuts absolutely nuts but he said he said he would. He had been wrong one time in his life on July seventh, nineteen thirty-eight. I said, "My God, what, what, what happened?" He said, "Well, I thought I was wrong, but I wasn't." <laughs> that's that was that was what he's wrong. That's funny. And most most people, that's a that, that's a joking way to, to deal with it. Yeah. But a lot of people live that way. Yeah, they're never well, wrong. They're well, never let me, wrong. Let me ask you a question. You got two documents, Samorum Pontificum. And uh, from Pope uh, Benedict and then uh, Traditionis Custodis oh, yeah. from Pope Francis, they're at loggerheads. Of course. They, 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 say, they say the complete opposite, opposite thing. How, how great, though, Jesse, how great, Jesse, that you brought that up. Thank you very much, because I wanted to make one point. Remember we were talking about, we were talking about the early 60s? Yes. Right? When they, when they changed the mass and everything else? All right. Here's what Pope Benedict did. When I was in Rome in the 1970s, we had a great priest. I love this guy. He was he was just fantastic. Father Vince Michelli. Vince Michelli. I know him well. Yeah. Great man. Well, a group of us wanted to have what wanted to, to have the Latin Mass, the yeah. Tridentine Mass, because we hadn't heard it in years. We just hadn't heard it since we were kids. Yeah. And we in 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 coffee between classes. I remember we were in the we were in the coffee bar, and we said to Father Michelli. You know, would you ever, would you ever think of, say, well, how did we know, think of saying it? He said it every day, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in private and quiet because you couldn't say anything. We had to hear, to hear the Tridentine, the Latin Tridentine mass that had been in the church's history for 1600 years and under which we were all educated as Catholics. To hear that, we had to get up at 4.30 in the morning and take a bus out to San Calisto, uh, uh, catacombs and go with him 
quiet, quiet. We weren't to tell anybody. Unbelievable. Was, is there anyone around? Is there anyone around? In Nomini Patris at Felix Peters. To say the Trinity Mass. Now, here's what was great about Ratzinger. About, I, sh I shouldn't call him Ratzinger. I mean, Papa Ratzinger. Papa Ratzinger, we say with, with respect. He said, just a minute. Nobody ever abolished that Mass. That's right. It's, 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 it's as valid today as it always was valid and as it always will be valid. Exactly. Well, what he did, he, I remember there were priests who were terrified to be, to, be, to be caught saying the Trinity Mass because it was considered a mortal sin. It was that absurd. We got yeah. to that point. Why? Right? Yeah, in L.A., that was the policy in the 70s. Yes. Monsignor Harris told me that. Yes. It was a mortal sin to say Latin Mass. <laughs> it was a mortal sin to say the Trinity. That's Can you imagine this? Well, what Pope Benedict did for all of us, That'll never happen again. Amen. That will never happen again Thanks, because that's unacceptable. It was unacceptable for the 50 years that they suppressed it, and it's unacceptable today. So they can't take that away, it, and it will not be taken away because Amen. people have grown up a little bit better, a little bit more, and they understand, nope, not going to happen. Great. So, that, so if there's a problem with the, with the present pontificate on that issue, it's the it's uh, it's their problem, but it's not. We're not going back to no. We can't do that. Yeah. This and Benedict made this happen. He right. made this happen, Pretty and cool. you and, can't and, take that away. And I might also add, he also made it happen so that the Anglican Ordinariate, which I go to at our Sacred Heart Chapel, is happening. And I remember reading this. And Monsignor uh, confirmed me that when the Anglican Ordinariate came in, uh, because of Benedict. Uh, Pope Francis, as in our cardinal, was very upset at Pope Benedict, saying, "Why can't you just leave them as Anglicans? They're good. That's good enough. They're all they're fine being an Anglican." And I hate to have to say that about our Holy Father, but that's why we need to pray for our leaders in our church because they have gone off. And let's just be honest with the traditional teachings of the Catholic Church, and I'll go down to my grave saying that because I think it's true. Father Charles Murr, thanks for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the honor. Thank you very much for the honor. And God rest, God rest Pope Benedict. May he rest in peace. Amen. Amen. Jesse, what Amen. state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in a state of sanctifying grace. Uh, let's uh, not live in a state of mortal sin. And let's uh, pray a rosary for the next uh, nine days for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict XVI, one of the greatest popes in my lifetime. And I amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. And let's, let's pray for our leaders in our church today because they need our prayers. Remember Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray for them. Let's pray for all of us in that message from Fatima. God bless you and your family.